Hi, this is Adam Bergman, IRA Financial. Today I want to discuss a recent article in the New York Times that discussed the Trump tax planning, uh, Fred Trump, Donald Trump tax planning. Uh, is it good tax planning or is it a, are they tax schemes, um, which is a very fine line. So uh, it's a really interesting article in the New York Times, uh, October 2nd, by David Barstow, Suzanne Greg, Russ, uh, Buettner, um, very detailed, um, go through some of the um, transactions between uh, Fred Trump and uh, the president, Donald Trump. And I'm not going to go through each of the transactions because there's a lot of them, but uh, I want to talk about the whole concept of economic substance and substance over form, form over substance, which is the way you can look at some of these transactions to determine you know, whether it's just good tax planning or is it something more sinister. Um, so basically, a, a lot of the tax planning was based around minimizing estate taxes for uh, Fred Trump. Um, and there were some other transactions involving loans to Donald and his kids and also um, some, some uh, companies that were set up as, um, as entities uh, in between other entities owned by the family, kind of to shift uh, some profit off to the children uh, as a way to uh, tax planning, minimizing tax. And the question um, that the New York Times brings out and, and other tax experts bring out is, is this legitimate tax planning or is this something that um, is really more about tax avoidance, sham transaction, lacking substance, and thus should not be accepted uh, by the IRS? Uh, The truth of the matter is um, Fred Trump died in 99 um, and and his his mother, Fred's uh, wife, Donald Trump's mother, Mary, and died in 2000. So the statute of limitation, which is generally three or six years, has run. So this is kind of just an academic uh, an argument, so to speak, that the New York Times brought out. If they brought this out in the early 2000s, uh, then maybe the IRS could have acted on it. But uh, New York State, where Fred uh, and Marianne resided, um, and where Donald resided, um, this, they may look at this, but it's not going to matter because the statute ran. Um, again, generally, as long as the return's been filed, even if there's a substantial understatement, which is 25% understatement, it's a six-year statute limitation. So that's gone. So this is really just an exercise in understanding uh, the difference between good tax planning and tax avoidance or or something more sinister. Uh, It's always based off facts and circumstances. You you can talk to five tax attorneys and probably get five different answers. Ultimately, it comes down to the IRS and and tax court if it goes there. Um, But I wanted to kind of touch on some of the main principles of substance over form and form over substance. And if you do any tax planning or read any case law in the area, you're going to see that um, courts have, have looked at these doctrines because th- these are the two main doctrines when you analyze a transaction to determine whether um, it should be respected from a tax purpose uh, standpoint, you'll look at the two uh, doctrines of substance over form and form over substance. And basically, the substance over form is used by the government quite often because the argument is, hey, it may the form may work. It may follow the letters of the tax code, but 
The substance doesn't. The substance stinks. There's no economic substance. It's a sham transaction. Yes, you follow the rules of the tax code. It satisfies the letter of the code or the provisions of the code, but there's no substance. It's a sham. It has no economic purpose. Thus, it should not be respected for tax purposes. And on the flip side, you get the form over substance that says, okay, um, it satisfies the form. It works under the tax code, and thus we're going to allow it because there's nothing in the code that says that you have to, uh, that you're not allowed to minimize taxes. So as long as you follow the form of the transaction authorized by the code, you can do it. And, and those are the competing arguments. Now, the, the main co- case that talks about this is Supreme Court case Gregory v. Halverin. It's a thir- 1935 tax court case, uh, very famous. And basically, um, the court said the incident of taxation depends on the substance rather than the form of the transaction. So this is used by the government a lot, um, the IRS, to argue that, hey, you got to look at the substance. If there's, if there's no economic substance, uh, the transaction not, should not be respected from a tax standpoint. Um, so it, that's the main case, Gregory V. Halvering, that the uh, government uses to attack transactions. Um, I'll give you another example. It's a recent court, uh, Sixth Circuit case, Summa Holdings, that actually overturned um, a ruling against the taxpayer and actually used the form over substance and, and uh, allowed a, a DISC transaction uh, involving an IRA. Um, and, and the court basically said this. Um, it's one thing to permit the commissioner to recharacterize the economic substance of a transaction to honor the fiscal realities of what taxpayers have done over the form in which they've done it, but it's quite another to permit the commissioner to recharacterize the meaning of statutes, to ignore their form, their words, in favor of his perception of their substance. So the court basically said, hey, uh, it works from a form standpoint. There is some economic substance here, uh, but it's more important that it satisfy the form. It's not a sham, uh, and they allow the transaction. So moving forward, there's something called the Economic Substance Doctrine, which is codified under Internal Revenue Code Section 77010, and it relies on case case law as well. But basically, the Economic Substance Doctrine says uh, economic substance must be relevant in the transaction. So you have to do something. There needs to be some profit potential, loss potential. There needs to be something to the transaction. Um, And uh, the following conjunctive two-pronged test must be met. One, the transaction changes the taxpayer's economic position in a meaningful way, apart from just federal income tax effects, and the taxpayer's substantial purpose for entering the transaction. So you need some business purpose, and there needs to be some potential uh, gain uh, or loss from the transaction. So when you apply these principles to um, Trump tax planning, obviously you can come up with with different answers. Uh, Clearly, um, the IRS didn't have an issue. They had some minor valuation issues with um, Fred's estate, which I think they fixed um, because some of these uh, assets were transferred to the children for estate planning purposes. But as far as I know, and based off the article, it doesn't seem like they attacked it from an economic substance standpoint. Obviously, they could not do that now because the statute of limitation ran out. But if you do look at the article, 
and read it. It's quite interesting. Um, keep in mind the, the substance of reform, form of substance, economic substance doctrine. When looking at these transactions, the bottom line is the IRS, if they argue substance of reform, they want there to be some economic substance to the deal. They don't want people just doing transactions to save tax. Um, whereas if you flip it in form over substance, if you get the right court uh, or uh, to hear your case, the right judge uh, or jury, you can argue form over substance. And as long as um, it satisfies the tax code, um, you, you may be able to prevail uh, on your transaction, even if most of the purpose behind the transaction was to minimize taxes or estate planning. Um, so it's a tug of war between you know economic substance, substance over form, form over substance. Uh, there's no clear line test. A lot of it's facts and circumstances. As I mentioned, you can you can talk to f- five different tax attorneys and get five different answers uh, as to whether the transaction should be respected or not. Um, clearly, if you're looking at it, remember if you're trying to uh, structure something um, that will have a tax benefit, make sure there's also some business purpose or some economic substance. So. Um, even in a you know IRA context, um, you need to show that there's some benefit being derived. You're not just entering a transaction where you have no risk of gain, zero risk of loss, but you're going to save $10 million in taxes. The IRS uh, will not be happy, and a court uh, will probably use substance of reform. But if you can show there's some economic substance, even if you did it for estate planning purposes, but also maybe for limited liability purposes or other reasons why you did a, sim- a, a specific transaction, like Fred Trump uh, shifting some of the assets he owned in real estate to his children, he, he could be successful and, and argue form over substance and, and likely prevail. Um, I read the the, case, the uh, article. I don't see anything you know criminal, sinister. Uh, there's some tax planning, clearly some aggressive tax planning with, with trusts, estate planning, uh, some with um, you know shifting some income to children. Um, you know, clearly it gets a little egregious when children are you know or minors, three, four, five years old, and, and getting you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of income. Uh, but again. If you can show there's substance and a reason for it, and there's some business purpose, whether to shift responsibilities, cost, uh, allocate profits to certain entities, um, it will be respected. I mean, no one's saying they didn't pay taxes, even if the children um, received the income, they, they would pay taxes, maybe at a lower rate based off their income level, but they would pay the taxes. So no one's at least that I uh, have read, of arguing that there's any tax avoidance or fraud. It's more maybe uh, aggressive tax schemes versus uh, solid tax planning, uh, which I actually don't agree with. I think it's, it was aggressive. Again, the IRS, I'm assuming, looked at this. Um, so in New York State, they had the opportunity to. They never came back with anything um, uh, criminally or, or anything with penalties from a civil standpoint. So um, it took a year and a half for the Times to do this. It's some nice uh, reporting, but a little too little too late. I mean, it's 20 years after, uh, 18 years after uh, his father died. Um, you know, I know what their goal is, obviously, and this I'm not going to get into politics. It's not something I want to do, but clearly, um, you know, that was one of the reasons for the article. But I do think the article has some interesting points. Uh, it's given me an, ex- an opportunity to bring out economic substance, substance of reform, form of substance, 
and it's important to understand the, the context, how, how they apply to certain transactions. Um, and, and when you're looking at tax strategies, you know, make sure you understand that there's a need for economic substance, uh, business benefit, risk of loss, profit. Um, again, there's no guarantee the IRS will respect it, but you want to make sure there's some substance in your transaction. Uh, even if you know, there's a, a good percentage of the transactions done to minimize or reduce taxes, you still need to show substance and business purpose because you need to have that ammunition uh, in your war chest in case you need to use it. Um, you can't just do something purely to save taxes and have no uh, economic substance uh, or business purpose because it's likely the IRS won't respect it and, and the courts may not um, as well. So uh, remember that. Um, it's a good article uh, to read if you're interested in kind of just seeing some some interesting tax planning. Um, again, um, staying out of politics. Uh, it's a well-written article, um, and um, you can kind of see some of the uh, I think some of the savvy tax planning his father came up with. Um, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s. So. Uh, you know, well done. But uh, if you get anything from it, uh, remember the substance of reform, form of substance, econ- economic substance doctrine. When looking at tax planning opportunities, keep those in mind. Adam Bergman, hope you found the podcast uh, helpful, interesting. Uh, if you have ideas uh, for podcast titles, let me know. You can follow us at IRAFG, uh, Instagram, you can hit me up at LinkedIn, Facebook, um, email me, uh, A Bergman, IRA Financial, if you have. Uh, questions, uh, thoughts on the like. I really appreciate uh, everyone listening. Um, And uh, until next time, thanks again.